Hey guys, welcome back. This is the second half of our Horror University with Kyle Peterson. In this, we're just basically going through horror movies that are great for an introductory uh, experience. People who may not want to watch horror normally, you can find something you'll enjoy here. This is part two, so make sure you go back and listen to Horror 101. And uh, with that, let's, let's get on to Horror 102. All right. Well, this one, uh, its sequel is amazing. But yes, uh, we are talking but about that 1980s. Is well known here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 1980s. Uh, the Shining uh, is yes. one of. I think w- we've already gone over like the t- like AFI's top three greatest horror films ever is Exorcist, Shining, and Jaws. In some order of that, like it uh, th- that gets jumbled around a little bit. But these are like the three biggest ones mm-hmm. that absolutely killed it. Um, the Shining is a film that was one of the actually one of the first movies I watched in October, like to start my own little thing. Which was like, let's just watch horror movies. I've never seen The Shining, and I hated this movie when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. I was early twenties, and I was just like, this is stupid. Didn't work for you, no. And then I was like, I could watch this again. And <laughs> come to find out, Stanley Kubrick psychotic genius madman that he is used Mm -hmm. so many subliminal techniques and you know suggestive uh imagery the way he's framing shots it's essentially you are being brainwashed and manipulated while you watch this film uh to watch it again which is kind of what jack torrance jack nicholson's character is going through he's talking to ghosts until he needs to talk to ghosts some more so he can have another drink of whiskey uh this is medicine yeah the the twins in the hallway uh the bike him danny just riding his trike around um the elevators opening full of uh a tidal wave of blood come out um the maze yeah the maze uh (laughs) poor shelly duvall on the set yeah. of this film is traumatized <laughs> for our pleasure. And Hell of a performance. I'm <laughs> sad that she had to give it. Oh, it's it's rough, but it's iconic up amazing. and down. Everything about this. Uh, one of the creepier things uh, that I remember when watching like some behind the scenes documentary is that the office that Jack Nicholson interviews for the job of caretaker in the Overlook Hotel in is physically where it is in the floor plan of the hotel of the overlook cannot have outside facing windows on it because it's in the middle of the floor plan Mm -hmm. um but kubrick shows us the entire layout of this entire hotel on purpose and it's like he does until he doesn't kind of a thing and it's and then when you start to wonder like well why not and it's because room 327 is right there and you're like all right never mind um That's what makes this movie like so eerie is like the more you watch it, the more stuff you see. I bet anyone who sees this for the first time is just like, okay, so writers are crazy, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, that's terrible. And they move on. Whatever The Shining is and, and, and that supernatural Stephen King element. Uh, th- but the more I think the more you try and soak this one in. And you're trying to, every time it's over, you're like, there's something about that. I don't know what it is. You want to watch it again. It is dripping with the most, it's the the craziest uh, one of this place is haunted and evil. And then 
uh, would come Dr. Sleep to not retcon, but recontextualize the entire thing, saying it's actually this energy uh, uh, made up of the dead that are hungry for people that are touched by it, like Danny Torrance. And it goes off in a whole nother direction. And you're like, what a, this is the most badass thing ever. And if you're interested Ooh. more on Dr. Sleep, please consult episode one of season two of Cinema Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, trying oh to trying to help you guys plug because I, I saw you had already gone over and I was like, well, good. <laughs> I mean, I enough. just recently somebody had done a deep fake with Jack Nicholson playing, you know, his face over the actor who was playing him, which didn't feel right watching it. But I, I saw that like a couple days ago. I was just like, mm, it kind of looks good, but I love what they did in Doctor Sleep, so I wouldn't have corrected the face like that, like everyone's doing nowadays with things. Right. But it was oh. impressive they got an actor to pull off Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that. that's that. that's like some of the best writing I've seen in years. Is a man takes a drink. That that whole sequence is just oh Brilliant. my gosh. Mike Flanagan Medicine. gets it, but yeah, Stanley Kubrick uh, absolutely uh, got his way with this adaptation because uh, this is his version of with it. Doctor Sleep uh, with uh, The Shining. Uh, oh, Kubrick. Kubrick. Yeah, I thought yeah, you said Kubrick. King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Kubrick. Yeah, absolutely. Stanley Kubrick. Um, King actually made a. A made-for-TV adaptation of this thing later. And Which I've not heard great things about. It's pretty terrible. But it's his, you know, vision of it's it. It's his version. It's the, it's the technique style of master of his craft artistry, uh, Stanley Kubrick, that actually drives all the nails in this coffin in, like, permanently. This guy's really good. Uh, there's so much meta to the movie of thinking that you can... Uh, there's one theory that, like, if you play the movie backwards, scene to scene, yes. overlap it on top. Of, you know what I'm talking about, Nick? I think yeah, I may have I told you about this. Yesterday. Yeah. Where oh, they're like yeah. some of these scenes where uh, Danny Torrance is just like sitting and just like doesn't know how to rationalize the haunting he's going through because these these are beings that are after him because of his power of The Shining, um, or that they just call The Shining. These line up perfectly with scenes of jack nicholson somewhere else in the hotel chilling and hanging out with ghosts and it looks like danny is watching his dad lose his mind mm-hmm. and he uh, doesn't know how to tell his mom i mean he, he writes murder uh, backward red rum and with uh, lipstick <laughs> um but it's like the the more you try and like dive into that film the film has more to give somehow and it's truly, truly creepy because it's essentially just a, a story about a, a struggling alcoholic trying to be a writer when he's an English teacher, uh, just going stir crazy. And he's at the suggestion of all the dead spirits who have wanted everybody else, every other caretaker to commit some heinous atrocity and murder their whole family. And he's like, you know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> I'm just going to do that. Uh, it's, it's a truly creepy movie because... The, the setting of that film, we want to talk, how do you leave? The, the Overlook Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, uh, mm-hmm. you can't get out of. you. What We watched them drive there for like 10 minutes. And they very clearly say, all right, when winter hits, we're closing the road. That's it. No one's coming up here after you. If you need help, I'm sorry. So you have the whole kitchen. Just keep everything running. You know, that's what they give them this whole spiel. Um and you're like, gosh, there is no way to get out of that. So if one of them picks up an axe, where do you go? Into the hedge maze. 
apparently. Um, yep. And that works. <laughs> but The Shining is uh, a perfect movie to me as far as like general spoop mm. in a place. Because we thought it was that hotel. There's more to it. And there's more to it if you just leave it at The Shining too. But if you want uh, to truly pleasure yourself, which, which I would always recommend, is watch Dr. Sleep after that. And that's going to be like a yes. six-hour thing because you need that's to watch a, the director's cut day. of dr sleep yeah amen yes, yes. no Good tv man. and no beer make homer go something something i was about to say okay yeah the shining also brought about probably the best uh halloween horror episode of the simpsons treehouse of horror episodes with homer as brendan just said yes indeed i think every uh, um paradoxical thing of you know in horror in general touches takes something from the shining yep always because sure. it's that good uh, yeah. But yeah, Shining had a ninety-three or eighty-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is a little low, you know, according to me. Uh, and only <laughs> had a budget of about nineteen million, but pulled in like forty-six million. Um, so all right, you know, in terms yeah. of box office for Warner Brothers in the early eighties. Uh, but they they got a masterpiece on their hands, uh, and just. Mm, that's one I have to watch. Yeah, I just have to watch that one every year because it's so good. All right. Yeah, straight. Do one more ghost. Ah, no. Actually, Stephen King to Stephen King, Nick. Uh, yes. This one is a personal favorite uh, on the list uh, for me. I apologize it's a, for my singing children in the background. Oh, we can't hear them at yeah, all? Yeah, I can't hear <laughs> good. you. Oh, great. Creepy singing children. Did you plan this? Come on, buddy. You're better than that. Play with us, Danny. Play with us. Uh, oh. In 2007, uh, someone over at Universal was just like, you know, if we were going to cast someone, a, a lone actor, to champion the 95% of the runtime by himself and watch him go through psychosis and essentially act his way out of a paper bag. If I was that casting agent, I'm not picking john cusack if i'm being honest that's not okay, my first yeah. choice maybe nick i don't know i don't know <laughs> but for better i'll just say for better uh we got uh, john cusack at, in uh, 1408 this is one of yours i haven't seen sell me on it i have the special edition dvd i love this movie see we can't sell talk me. the sell we me, can't sell talk, me. talk the differences of the yep. ending because keep, between theatrical keep, and director because i would like to watch it so um all right so this is a, another tortured writer because steven knows those very well and i mm-hmm. as a fellow writer you know nick we're all just like yay us <laughs> constantly tortured you bet <laughs> when you're just like mm, the writer's block is strong with this one it's kind of rough <laughs> uh he is a paranormal debunker i guess invest yeah. he's an investigator meaning mm-hmm. Uh, skeptic he it's kind of skepticism because he is a writer who has uh, transposed his career he wrote like this really good uh, father-son novel at the very Uh beginning broke breakout writer um then went into schlock writing uh and so it's like the 10 most is the scariest hotels the 10 uh most haunted uh castles or whatever he's just compiling things that other people think are scary he doesn't believe in it at all because he can find the plausible explanation like oh it's just leaky pipes 
and uh, you need to close your attic windows or something like that to everywhere he goes. But he travels, you know, the country, maybe the globe, getting free room and board to write these stories about these haunted places he goes to. And he thinks they're all bullshit. He doesn't buy into any of it until he gets a flyer in the mail that goes, uh, I think it's the Dolphin Hotel. Uh, come here. And uh, don't, but don't stay in room 1408. And very quickly, he, he holds the flyer and like does the math and goes one plus four plus zero plus eight is 13. And then he calls the number up and he's just like, excuse me, you mailed this to me, I believe. Did you want me to come stay in your spooky hotel and I'll stay in room 1408 if that's cool? And they're just like, no, that's not cool. We're going to hang up. Click. And, and then it becomes this thing. Well, like, well, who sent him that? What's in this room? So then he goes there, meets Samuel L. Jackson. They have the best, uh, I think it's a two-scener. Uh, just their conversation contextualizes the entire thing of what he's about to get into. John still doesn't believe him. And Sam is like, please don't stay in that room. No one lasts more than an hour in there. And then he demands it. He, you know, They give him the key. Uh, and he goes and stays in this room and see if he uh, gets spooked or not. That's his, that's where I kind of have to stop, Nick. Can you fill yeah. in okay. a little All bit right. more contextually? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Sam Jackson as the, the hotel manager, and he's just, like, you know, trying everything in the world to not get Cusack to stay there, which only... Of course, like like a child being told no. Now that he's been told no, all he's going to do is try to get in there. And so he finally does oh, get in there, and that's when things just get out of control. I mean, it's it's like a very nice crescendo. It's a very nice slow build. Uh, great. With the alarm clock and all sorts of things. I, this is It's a great, great okay. flick. All right, Aaron, no it. more. No more. I, I got to get watch it. it. I, go, oh, please, go ahead. Go ahead. I got to get one thing out. There is a, a deep fake out in this film about two-thirds of the way through that hit me so hard i could not accept what i was seeing for the rest of it and the climactic end because i was like but wait are we still and i was like this movie messes with you so hard because it's just him in this hotel room and this hotel room is evil so yep, here's the deal. Your assignment, you right? watch the thing. I'll watch 1408. <laughs> yep. We'll get together and we'll get another episode out of that for Halloween. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There you um, go. I will say that this movie I saw under very interesting circumstances where I was supposed to go to a wedding in Michigan from a old buddy from college. And uh, for some reason, all the flights moving forward were just canceled for that weekend. And so there was absolutely no way for me to get out there. And I was up at like, Friday morning. I was up at four o'clock in the morning trying to find a flight and there was absolutely nothing going there. And so I had to call him and tell him, Hey man, like I won't be at your wedding. And after I hung up that phone, I was like, I'm going to the movie theater. And I saw 1408 that morning. That's it was awesome. like seven o'clock uh, at AMC 24. It was uh, wicked, wicked early. So, um, and I loved it. You guys mentioned a difference in versions. Which version do I need to watch? Which version? I think it's the director's cut, Nick. Director's cut. Well, so that's the thing is they have an alternate ending. And in my opinion, it's terrible. So don't watch the alternate ending. And I will will check the DVDs here just to make sure that it's not the director's cut. That's the 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 actual cut is the way to go. I think. Damn it. See, you know what? This is one of those (laughs) things where the release of this. Yeah, the release of this after the theatrical run was over and we get a DVD. uh, This is like 2007, 2008. They uh, 
change the ending and it changes it majorly. If you've ever seen yeah. like I Am Legend, you know how we have the original ending? Sure. Kind of go one way and they were like, oh, apparently you didn't love that. So on the Blu-ray, here's just that in reverse. It's just the other way. And it made it a little weirder. But like, I think some people liked it. But some, like some people were like, this doesn't feel real or natural to the story we see in front of it. Fourteen oh eight kind of has like a, a split ending. One of them is bad. It's flat out like it just unjustifies everything you watched. Okay, bad. here's the deal. You two, when I'm not here, talk about <laughs> it. Tell me which one to watch, and I'll get it done. And then I will go watch the other ending separately to see it, so we can talk about it. I just gotta figure right, out which gotta... one. The, the director's cut has the alternate ending that is okay, so, very, so then very strange. So then, yeah, go theatrical. Go uh, theatrical. Because the yeah, one that sorry, I just watched has the has the correct one, and I swore it was the director's cut. Wait, wait, wait. I'll put I'll put it this way: tape recorder or no tape recorder? Does that help? Uh, one ha- tape recorder. Okay, that's that's the theatrical. Yeah. That's the one to watch. That's the good yeah. one. Yep. Theatrical. Yeah, there's there's three endings to this thing, and they only there's use two. Three? Oh, snap. Yeah. Only I will two. YouTube the rest of them after I watch the theatrical. Yeah, there, you, there you go. You can. Perfect. You're going to punch a hole in whatever you're watching it on, because it's not great. <laughs> All right. Uh, but as Stephen King's... Curiosity. <laughs> it's you know, been peaked. Yeah. As, as a Stephen King uh, movie goes, uh, it has a... I know we just argued about the ending, but it has a very satisfying ending, like the, the, the original yes. one. Uh, to everything yep. you watched, because uh, there's a very nice scene at the very end. Uh, <clears throat> it has a stupid jump scare. That's kind of the thing. We kind of glossed over that in most of these. The jump scares are limited in most of the movies we've talked about. There's yeah. a lot of horror movies out there that that was their bread. Like they couldn't figure out how to write, you know, characters that would get into a situation. That's what I thought ways for them to get was out. for most yeah. of my life. It was just jump scares. And when when it came to you know the 90s and early 2000s of these films where it was just shit's just popping out of everywhere and i was like i can't and there's no i can't connect to any of that you know there has to be something real like i i need to, even if it, i know even in the terms of the thing none of that is right but it's interesting characters uh, in a scenario mm-hmm. or or something or a story or like how you're telling it all that matters when it comes to horror um we're going to keep it rolling with ghosts because yeah. um, I'm going to pop us right on over to uh, one of the second films on this list that does not have a sequel or franchise after it. It's 1408's And the second is The Sixth Sense. This is what Shyamalan. got me into horror. Yes. This was my, my hook. What's amazing. I mean, there's a lot of amazing things about this, but as I watched through almost this entire list, since I last talked to Nick about doing this episode with you guys like a week ago. And it's, this is 1999. It's nine. I think. Yeah. 1999. So we're really, really recently and uh, late in the game as far as like all horror, like what else can they do to scare people? You know, comes in this young director telling layered stories of personal Mm. trauma and death on top of itself in such a way that is captivating and terrifying and heart-wrenching and 
started his I can't say it's exactly stupid, but it's unfortunately we destined. coined his uh there needs to be a twist ending. Such a good movie that he was destined to be the one of the greatest directors of all time. There's just no way around it. Right. <laughs> like uh the this film has how, uh, this is one of those ones like the ending was spoiled for me like before I ever saw it. Someone just oh. went Oh, you That's didn't rough. know Bruce Willis, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, you a hole. That's <laughs> such a that's that was a really hurtful, like cheap, like take. Like a, you can't enjoy the movie with that same lens that every other audience saw it with uh, when this thing opened and came out because everyone loved it right out of the gate. Uh, the the discussion of what ghosts really are uh, is told in a way that i that feels incredibly real like i think yeah. i think the 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 character basis for like cole who's Haley joe osmond was kind of similar to the like the real life backstory of like john edwards so i don't know if you guys ever watched like some of those Crossover, uh, yeah. yeah exactly where Lord. they were like we'll talk to your dead relatives that are just hanging off <laughs> hanging on around you still and it's like oh, really and it of course it's of course it's scarier when it's a child you know here we are again this is like the third one on the list where it's like a little kid no um but this little kid is dealing with everything the every every traumatic death some other ghosts goes through when they died they are bringing to him every scene and he's he cannot deal with it he doesn't know how his mom doesn't believe him so those are some of the best scenes because they are so tense of when it's just him and tony collette who you know phenomenal actress um and oh, he's yeah. bouncing off of her at the dinner table talking about like where's your grandma's brooch and you know she's like did you take it and he's like mm, no but he knows exactly what's going on you know oh it's so good he uh M. Night also tricks us <clears throat> because we were so used to the way horror movies are presented and movies in general too, that he makes it look like Bruce Willis is more involved in every scene way more than he is. And he uses, it's the simplest things. This is nothing like, you know, shocking or truly horrifying, or we've talked about some other like imaginative ways ghosts can be scary. This is really simple. He just starts scenes where two characters are sitting or three characters, yeah, it's three characters sitting in a room, and it's the pause in a conversation, like some news, like a bombshell has just gone off. <sighs> and only one character, his mom, talks to the doctor, and Bruce Willis is just kind of there. We Every time he does this, we naturally assume all of them are having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's so brilliantly done. Like, it's yeah. amazing that he's able to pull this off. He also... Uh, like every character arcs fully like every single one of them beautifully for, for a horror movie that's yeah. hard to pull off because usually we're used to you're dead and that's it you're finished yep. you know you're you got eaten the monster got you or whatever uh this is everyone has to deal with their trauma um he <clears throat> it's a little cheap but uh he overuses the color red a lot th- for thematic mm-hmm. uh passionate or you know anguish or energy or whatever still works really well he's telling micro stories within all these other character stories with each ghost this is hard to do just in general uh, like i can't 
just just the and some of it's just one-offs like he's walking through the hallway after school play with uh it's Haley and bruce just together talking and Haley joel just stops and he's just like top of the stairs three bodies lynched you know and it's just a quick like whoop, we look up there and bruce is like i don't see anything and we're like ha, ha. it's ooh, it's crazy <laughs> He helps that uh, daughter who was, uh, you know, poisoned by her, uh, her stepmom, I think. Yep, yep. Like, I love that entire sequence when she shows up and he finally has the courage to listen to his doctor's advice. And he's like, why don't you try helping him? And then he goes on. It's There's so minimal. Like, he, like I would, if I were writing that, I would have wall-to-wall dialogue of where he's going <laughs> and who, yeah. who he's going to see and everything. And it's so minimal. You get nothing. It would it, be so you, easy to stuff it full of exposition. And it's oh, when you watch it, your brain's going like, "Where's he going? Oh, what's a, what's on the tape?" You know, and it's it's just this amazing, amazing story. Um, so layered upon layered, uh, brilliance. You know, another strong major studio debut out of the gate, which most of these kind of are. <clears throat> um, Sixth Sense is a baller of a ghost movie. Uh, I think it has to come after some other ghost movies, though, because it's the bar it sets is almost too high for other ghost stories to come after it. Because you're like, well, you're not. Be- I cried over everything in the sixth. That's sense. true. It's and, a rough movie so, to watch. So I said earlier, this was kind of what made me like horror, but I realized it's actually probably what made me dislike horror. Is my first favorite horror, but everything else seemed cheap afterwards because mm-hmm. I was just jump scare. Ah nonsense for a decade yeah like how we opened uh, this recording with like what's your least favorite horror movie and for some it was because i was looking at six Sense and i was like well the others i know it's a guillermo del toro movie but the others to me feels like a copy paste ripoff and i know mm-hmm. it's not it just seems like that way because it's trying to build and do something contrary to what we are thinking while we watch it and then go up oh, twist is They've been dead the whole time. And it's like, ah, that's nah, it's so cheap. But it, it started a lot of trends um, of, of yeah. horror movies like being like, it's not really this, it's this. And it's like, well, we don't need that. Um, but it's a great idea to bring to the table. Just don't copy it all the time. Uh, and he kind of mm. did. Thankfully, uh, we didn't let him make an Avatar last Airbender movie, so we're fine there. Yes, we skipped that and it was yeah, all Yeah, thankfully that hasn't happened. Although I heard um, Old was weird very split i didn't see it yet i'm sure i'll end up seeing it i know i know i just i like him a lot (laughs) i mean his sequels get they vary i think uh you know split talented like it's great telling Mm. of all of his sequels since after sixth sense they kind of just go down uh and it varies a little bit i like signs the village I'm one of the only few people that likes the village. Um, I thought the village was. I thought the village was expertly made and cheaply told. Was the way I felt about. There you go. There you go. Sounds like a three out of five. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a hard one to rate. I don't know. What they, I, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. They vary uh, quite a bit, but the sixth sense is just like, ooh, this is, this is great because it's very as as spooky as it is and as bloody as it is for a PG thirteen movie. It's mostly about like caring for your loved ones basically yeah and oh helping gosh, each yeah. other I, I grandma saw you dance like who oh. had a dry eyes after that sequence holy crap like oh that's like that's what it was all about man ah oh. 
every day. Out. I was like, it's hard. I'm just glad he's still doing some stuff. It's nice I, to see him do Kingdom Hearts every now and still again. Still want to see him do stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, oh you're talking about Haley. I, I will yeah, say, me, yeah. nothing as a child scared me more than aliens. I still haven't quite got over Signs. Mm-hmm. I I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I really love that movie. I love Signs. It's it's in my top ten favorite films of all time. Signs is a I love that movie. Yeah, si- yeah. Signs is a great one. It's I can't I can't do every horror movie on. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, no, Keep no. going. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, us, right. give us one more. Give we've us one done more. Yeah. we've done we've done monsters. We've done stabby people. We have not done so, stabby people. So here's the thing. The biggest hole I have, I think, in all film, I have. I need to see more westerns, but even more than that, I need to see more slashers. I have seen almost no slashers. Mm-hmm. So here's, educate me. Whew, here's where this gets. Uh, y- you have to go with the cream of the crop in this subgenre of horror film. You have to. Uh, I almost where... watched it the other day, so I'm I'm excited <laughs> to hear about it. This is where. Uh, I, I get on a soapbox and I start taking a huge dump on all franchise sequels because what's not on this list, guys, is Friday the 13th or any of those movies. Mm-hmm. What's not on this list is Nightmare on Elm Street or any of those other movies. Psycho's not on this list. Um, <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summer ain't on this list. Slasher <laughs> comes down to what is it about you and me that scares us when one of us just snaps and picks up a knife and the best movie that ever did that and scared the hell out of me uh and i think i was this is another like 13 14 year old watching this movie is uh john carpenter's halloween Mm -hmm. from 1978 real quick i gotta throw out the rotten tomatoes for this is at a whopping 96 percent because it's amazing. Uh, with a budget, it's the most impressive on the entire list, with a budget of $325,000. Whoa! This is indie, low what budget. Yes, this is as indie as give me almost no money just to see if I can do it, John Carpenter, who also turned in his own score for this film. And really? that's Yeah. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's... That's him. Wow. And most of the sequels, including the ones right now, the one I just saw, it's he's still doing it. He's doing it with his children, too. He's composing with his... The uh, scores. Yeah. <clears throat> his uh, fully adult children. Um, it went on to make uh, $47 million in the box office, which is a hell of an ROI turnover. Yep. Wow. And uh, for worse... And worse only, has spawned 12 sequels. Holy hell! <laughs> and has the most complicated timeline because we could not figure out how John just did this. This was not going to be called Halloween originally. This was just going to be called The Babysitter Murders. And it was going to take place oh. over a couple days. And they were like, hey, for 300 grand, we need you to. Uh, shorten the time to film this so you get one day and then they were like one day well what day would be scary for this to happen on and there you go wow the holiday itself um if you don't know about michael myers i could go on forever this is my brother's uh, favorite like you know evil uh uh iconic villain uh the the boogeyman 
He's credited as the shape. He's wearing a off-brand William Shatner plaster mask, yes. which is hilarious. That is as creepy as it is because it was so poorly made. Um, you, you know, it's like a 80-minute run. It's short. It feels like it's an short, hour. Short, tight. Most, right. of this, most of this runtime has nothing happening in it because he's just stalking these young women who he's planning to kill. Uh this movie also spawned every horror trope unintentionally uh, that we still think are rules for survival today. <laughs> and they, like John and every other producer of this film, was just like outspoken. Like, no, it's not because uh, Laurie Strode is a virgin is the reason why she survived. These are just horny teenagers who were preoccupied on a night where they're used to just having fun. So they're not paying attention to a car in their garage that Halloween all the windows started that? are steamed. This is yeah. where this came from? This is where right. this came from, man. Right. Every every I'll be right back, you know, it all came from all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's brilliant because of the way they uh, create this antagonist who doesn't say a word. Uh, you know, is we think all these different things about what Michael Myers really is. Um, but really, we don't know. And that's the best part. That's what John like nailed is just like, what drove him to do this? You don't know. Why did he pick up a knife and stab his sister while in a clown costume, then walk outside holding the knife and get busted by his parents? We don't know. Uh, how did he learn how to drive? while staying in an insane asylum for 15 years until he got out as an adult we don't know um why did he go back home uh pull up his murdered sister's uh headstone and uh use it to display these grim gruesome murders that he's committed like that's his thing he just keeps he keeps killing people and putting them on display somewhere else almost to scare more people who find it so he can then pop out and kill them like it's it's really really weird because the more we try and dissect it 12 times uh the more wrong we are because that's not what makes it scary it's that we just don't know with this guy so 1978 this comes out this kickstarts the slasher uh movement there's gotta be 50 100 other movies that try to do this exact same thing uh a lot of them are misses there are some hits this one's the best it seems kind of it might seem kind of boring um because of how much imitation has been done after the fact over well, this but that's the beauty of thing. It, because i haven't seen any real slashers if this is what's being imitated, then I've got a blank slate. I'm looking forward to diving in on this guy. Yeah, absolutely. So Halloween is, it's it's truly something special. The problem is, when we get into these sequels, because almost everyone who watches uh, the ending, so neither of you have seen this, right? No. Mm-hmm. This is the cool. only movie right. that both of us have not seen. I won't give away the ending, but it leaves an audience wanting more, because we want to know who what when you know what this guy actually is uh this evil this pure evil incarnate energy um so some of the first sequels when that were made at the exact same time with like donald pleasance and everything they're okay because they keep the story going but it quickly goes off the rails 
um the third movie they like halloween was trying to they were trying to make it an anthology like each movie is something just different so your first one babysitter murderer dude in a mask with a knife that's it nothing else Mm -hmm. no more we're moving on uh halloween three is about a evil mask that can hypnotize children that wear it and watch tv at a certain time on halloween night uh (laughs) of course this bombed because there's no michael myers in this movie in the third one <clears throat> and then we move on into the realms of uh michael myers is a demon and there's a curse behind mm-hmm. him which is ritually uh there's some ritual sacrifice that makes him go insane and mass slaughter as many people as he can on halloween that sounds it consistent gets, with the movie you just described yeah so <laughs> ridiculous it's awful but uh in 2018 David Gordon Green and Danny McBride came out with a reboot sequel and they called it Halloween, which when you're like the, I know the naming scheme of like the fast and the furious franchise is one of the worst ones. It's like, what are you doing? But Halloween is pretty bad too, because there are two Halloween twos. There are two Halloween threes. There are three Halloweens. So when if you were like, oh, I wonder what else happens with Michael Myers, and it's like, cool, well, you can take your pick, but here's my recommendation for the best ones. Mm-hmm. So it's 1978, and then it's 40 years later sequel of 2018, same title, just Halloween. It tells an awesome story of how Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode, <clears throat> has dealt with uh, the trauma of being a survivor of a mask killer, and... Mm-hmm what happens later it's got some of the best filming techniques in any of them it's so dope it's new score by john carpenter is amazeballs cool however sweet when this came out uh i'll never forget like i called my brother and i was like have you seen the new house and he's like it's the the greatest one of all of them he's like he was so over the moon with it we're talking and then a news presser came out because this is by Blumhouse. So Jason was like, hey, check out the box office for Halloween 2018. It was doing numbers. And he goes, here's what we're going to do. And we're going to do two more of these with the same people. So now David and Danny get a trilogy of their own to, I'm hoping to God, end Halloween. Just end this story and be done with it and just walk away because we've we have beaten this thing over the head buried it dug it back up more than once like one of the halloween movies is a complete fake out like where everyone dies but none of it really happened it was a dream is that is it a dream in the movie itself yeah or do they retcon it in the next movie it's it's both kind of like that this franchise does not doesn't help itself um, hmm. But when they when they announced uh, the currently released uh, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, I said to myself, well, the second one is not going to matter because I know you're making a trilogy. So like every franchise, Avengers Infinity War to Endgame, Matrix Reloaded to Revolutions, you know, we have these sequels made at the same time and hilariously all these other franchise examples did it correctly they're like the middle movie does this and with halloween kills it just does nothing it does nothing 
for two hours. It just goes, this is still happening. And it's the same night. And I left that theater so mad. I'm like, he's duping us again. Because we've seen Michael Myers be almost everything under the sun to try and explain it. And it's like, don't do that. It's better if we just don't know. David has said, uh, my Michael Myers is more realistic. He's got some superhuman attributes, I, I think. Uh, but at this point in, in the sequels of this franchise, he's been shot more times than Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. And he's still kicking. <laughs> like they have emptied clips into this guy and he just pops up, so, which is on the supernatural side, which there's plenty of those hot trash. And where that ends, it's, it's kind of leaning on to... If, if we could bring in Ryan Johnson into this discussion with Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Because yes. this is the direct comparison oh, I started God, see, to read here. It. <laughs> <laughs> From everywhere, they were just like, if you think of Star Wars and you're trying to recontextualize the Jedi, this is what Halloween's doing right now. And it's it seems like, you know, for the most part, it's grounded, realistic. It's, it's brutal murders. I mean, they... Aim for the week of heart. The original 78, a little bit easier to watch because uh, I think most primetime TV that has death in it is going to be above it. But this is like seeping into the fear of just like it's a small town in Illinois. Uh, they're very grounded. It's, it seems plausible. Even when it gets back up, it's a stretch on your suspension disbelief. But we haven't gone into the he's possessed by some other power that gives him the strength of a dozen men and he can just do blah 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 and whatever else and let's if you want to look at that as like a and b right now in halloween he's leaning into b but we've treaded all the water there is with that so it has to be c which mm. we don't know we'll find out next year i guess that's what pisses me off the about next one it. comes out next year yeah, Halloween Ends is supposed to come out next year. I'll and, get caught up by next year. Though. And <laughs> at that point, it'll only be three films. I mean, I'm, I'm betting you we will all, like, collectively as a society, everyone who hates Halloween Kills will watch it right before watching Halloween Ends and be like, oh, okay, well, that's what you're trying to do. That's the story you're trying to tell. It's fine. But now you're left hanging. Because we, yeah. we know we're getting baited for sequels. And we know if we all go see the end of Michael Myers, because at least three or four other Halloweens have had the exact same advertising line. They're like, this is the end. J Jamie Lee Curtis is going to kill Michael Myers. And then when we watch it happen, we're like, well, this is still this is terrible. <laughs> and then the next movie goes, that one was a fake. This time, they really kill Michael Myers, but Buster Rhymes is there. And you're like, what? H2? <laughs> oh, baby. Dude. <laughs> It's the it's the yeah. franchise that's so impactful. It just needs to stop. I, I need it to be over personally. Just end this on a on a good note and be done with it. Don't ever don't I don't I want the credits to go up and go to black and the theater lights come on and I leave. I don't want you know like right at the very end like some bs of his hand popping out of the i don't know how they're gonna do it but you know it's... speaking of I, I will say this speaking of films that don't have franchise i think there's one on your list that we have to talk about and it's probably have to be my last one for the night because i definitely have to go but finish your thought first and then we got to get to get out yeah uh 
Well, we there is one other movie, and I can gloss over this one because it's one of my favorites. But for slasher, okay, please, yeah. so Halloween's the classic, right? And that's your starter. Uh, for modern brilliance, uh, the very first Scream, nineteen ninety six, ah, Wes yes. Craven is that's a good one. One of my favorites. The entire franchise actually holds up really well. I only hate the third one, um, <laughs> but one, two, four are amazing. There's a fifth one going to come out early January, twenty twenty two. I'm excited. At this point, though, we it makes no sense for our surviving three characters to still be in the mix. But whatever, I'm all here for it because you know your mass killer is different every time. It's mm-hmm. just a this is this is a horror franchise that made it the meta turning all your other horror tropes on its head and laughing it's at a twinkle it. in the eye. The ending of Scream is balls to the wall hilarious. Because yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's a scary movie. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're just I, getting everything they've too. executed thrown back at them and it's perfect. It's also the one where it, it like they quote tropes and cliches from all these other horror movies in the past off of this one so when you try to think of well how can a guy with a knife be scary now is if we give him uh, a prepaid 1-800 collect card and a voice changer Mm -hmm. and this works and it can continue to work forever because the films end up becoming a murder mystery whodunits of themselves so whoever the, the cast you're watching someone there is the bad dude and it's just fun for me to like figure that out uh, who it is the kills are great too uh but the first one's uh impeccable 1996 uh god bless nev campbell for slumming that out uh and still yeah. keeping it going because it's amazing but scream is uh, uh, like one of my one of my absolute favorites um that entire run is great but yeah let's get to uh some of the newer age horror stuff the i mean there's others one. um but the newest one is jordan peele's get out uh, this, is our, this is our last one of the night. This is yeah. the last it's a good one, one to go out on. It's a good one. No to go sequels, out on. no franchise. I mean, I suppose it started his cinematic universe, as it were. With, none of them are connected, though. Right, none of them are connected or anything. But it, it's given us the guy who was on Key and Peele, and you know all of that stuff. It's given this whole new career pivot i suppose is mm-hmm. the fair way to put it because now like, whenever you see his name on it you don't think automatically of key and peel you think oh this is gonna be good yeah his uh next movie is gonna be about nope. clouds that's what it's called it's that's called it? nope <laughs> Sweet. i don't know what, i don't know what it's about but uh get out is uh one of these like great generic uh, kind of evils because it's not like one particular thing you know it's not a ghost it's not a haunted uh, place that the family lives on uh, in upstate New York there's no monster here there's no um, well there kind of is a sinister overplot but you know like it's as, as far as like what other horror movies have done this kind of stands so, apart yeah. to a little bit uh, for, for a lot of the movie it's when it's very hard to say what it is yeah yeah it's just a slow slow delicious it it uh might have created its own subgenre of horror by Mm -hmm. uh highlighting racial tension yeah and it does this in the most brilliant of ways where everything is just generally uncomfortable and creepy like yeah. like we were saying earlier it's just like it's way easier to get behind characters in horrific situations if you feel for them and 
a young black man meeting his white girlfriend's family and worried about that just a little mm-hmm. bit. He's just like, have they ever met? Am, am I like the first black guy you're bringing around to your parents? <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? She's what? she plays it that, so yeah. well by being yeah. like, not even acknowledging it. And it, and w- the whole audience is there with Chris, you know, we're like, we're like, no, oh, that, that's going to be a thing. Right. And the whole movie's like, nah, wink, wink. And <laughs> it's so, so clever. It, when I stir my breakfast drink and I hear the spoon clatter against the bottom of the mug, I can only think of this movie. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> that became oh. his, his signature thing in his uh, studio card for like Monkey Prop Productions. Is yes, that's right. Yes, yes. The tea. That's amazing. Um, <clears throat> it's yeah. It's got the all these brilliant mechanics within the narrative uh, to help build the atmosphere of hypnosis with the sunken place. Um, yes, it's it's almost very Twilight Zone for how it tells its story of what their real evil sinister plan is, and how it seems racist, but in my opinion, it's reverse racism because they're not mm-hmm. targeting these people because they don't like them; they're targeting right. because they admire and they see, you know, the epitome of humankind <laughs> or whatever. Still problematic, and it's yeah. <laughs> Because it kind of becomes this thing. It's just like, well, are they picking them because they're easy to catch? You know what I mean? It's like it's hard to like nail down. Like it really does mess with you. It has a great opening, uh, jump scare, great soundtrack. Uh, all this acting oh, so is amazing. All this foreshadowing it's... and all this linking of it's like onion layers. This movie holds itself up under any kind of scrutiny you can throw at it uh, because it. like it just makes sense and it's also so scary and so funny without ever compromising the other side of that it's like you don't cheapen the fear and you don't trivialize the humor it's so i love it i love it uh yeah uh his his film uh darnell or i can't remember his name his tsa friend uh carrying the weight of the all the comedic like i told you not to go into this house they're making sex slaves you know (laughs) we think it's this we we're we're with him because uh you know black characters in horror films either don't the trope make yeah there's a trope it's just like they're killed first or they're so terrified of having watched themselves get killed first in any weird situation we're like all right i'm moving to the other side of the country i don't want to deal with this don't go into this white lady's parents house um and we the other half is like well come on if you you guys are happy together let's like let's meet the parents and everything so there's all this very real believability of why he wants to go through put himself through this whole traumatic thing um where they're basically gaslighting him you know there's like nothing's wrong it's just we're what about that other black we they're like yeah there's another black guy here like come on you're not the only one he's just like that i know him he was he's been missing for six months you know and then the whole mechanic and then how we get the title you gotta get out and it's like it's so good it's so good the it's a movie that he he quit so many times writing i think in total he said he did 200 drafts on this thing So there's, and he was working on it forever. And like I said, he quit, I think he quit multiple times, but he for sure quit once. Um, and that's, you know, encouraging is all get out, if you will. Yeah. 
Well he, done. <laughs> I, yeah, Thank I you. think at least 20 times he stopped writing it. And uh, He's percolated he was, this in his mind for a long, long time. Yep. Yes. He was uh, he was ex- extremely worried about uh, how the ending, like the actual in the closing yep. moments of the I film would that, go yep. until uh, he was at a screening where we think it's a police car that's showing up and we're like mm. <laughs> we know how this is going to go and he knew at that exact point that he had the audience just like right in the palm of his hand he's just like oh I got you I got you so good uh, yep. and he's dead on like the sci-fi uh, aspect of it kind of got to gloss over it because it's oh, who cares yeah you know it's it, it's Milton from the office it's it works great. great yeah yeah but but everything else about uh, get up uh, get out sorry is uh, is astounding. It's like this that's the even that is though you have a willing suspension of disbelief. He takes it and he runs with it. And it's great. Yeah, absolutely. It, it ends up becoming like my my number one like current horror movie like recommendation. Uh, and great. there are so so many others. Like I love zombie movies. Twenty eight days later ain't on this list. You know, I love oh my vampire movies. Let the right one in. Love that I one. You just see that one. Speaking werewolf movies. Vampire. I love American Werewolf in London. Um, there's a lot. There are so many. Um, so yeah, if you if you're like, I'm too scared to start whore. Some of these are juggernauts. Not gonna lie. <laughs> but they're the good ones to start to like test your metal and be like, ah, can I handle this? Can I go in this direction? Are slashers good? I'd say yeah if you stay away. At least like Rotten Tomatoes is a great barometer for what slasher yeah. movies okay yep. and what's not. Uh, if you just like dumb, stupid torture porn movies, go nuts with the Saw trilogy. First one's excellent. The rest are yes, it is terrible. Yep. Um, but yeah, guys, like that's all I can uh, g- give you for great. horror. Uh, that's it for one hundred and one. Excellent. Jeez, We're gonna have to graduate from this class and go to two hundred two next year. Sheesh. I love it. Yeah, man. We'll, see. well, dude, thanks for being on. This has been extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Thanks you guys uh, for having me. Is there anything that you are currently enjoying these days? Books, movies, comics, video games, new music that you just want to tell the world about? I mean, it doesn't have to be horror. It is Halloween season, but like, what are you loving these days? Uh, obviously, Squid Game and Midnight Mass. Ooh, uh, have you finished oh, Midnight Mass? Oh, yeah. I binged Man. both of those in within like three days, like each. We spread out. Yeah. We just finished it last night, and I'm just over the moon in love with that series. I got Squid Games is still on the list. I haven't done that yet, but Midnight Mass was just. But yeah, of Could course. And then, I... uh, end of this month, we we do have Dune. I'm, I'm giving yep. you your yeah your plug in That's there. That's gonna be our next episode after this one. Nice. <laughs> in our our instant Doom discussion and. Um, at the at the very end, like super close to Halloween, is Edgar Wright's new movie called The Last yes. Night in Soho. Yes, and I am ecstatic for that because he's never done horror. You know, like no. this is his first. Just that little snippet from Grindhouse with Don't. <laughs> I mean his his Coronetto trilogy is like comedy horror. We totally forgot comedy horror. Uh, I can give you three out of the out of the gate: Shaun of the Dead. Uh. Oh my god! And then I totally so blanked. Really? Yeah, <laughs> Cabin in the Woods. Sh- Cabin in the Woods is the other one. Yes, yeah, Shaun of the Dead, Cabin in the Woods, and uh, Young Frankenstein are the some of the best comedic horror films out there. And I'll throw an Army of Darkness because it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I would say the Evil Dead one and two are comedic horror, but they're so horrifying it's hard to say that they're. Yeah, 
They're its own yeah. thing. It's it's Evil Dead gem. Two. Evil yeah. Dead Two is the grossest thing I've ever seen. It's so great. I love wow. it. I love it. Second, I mean, the only thing that comes even close to it is um, the thing. I can't uh, wait for you to watch it. Man, I, I think the old woman in Drag Me to Hell, barfing on oh, that's a great the one main too. girl, that's, that's, might be that's one of the few times I almost upchucked. Think came from be. The Exorcist. Yeah, like so, so true. many of them are just like it's pulled from right here. Everything from the seventies and eighties, we were just like, I like that idea, and then they just kept doing it. Um, which is nothing wrong with that, as long as you you know make the rest of the movie around it instead of just going <laughs> just copy the three things and take Michael some Myers to it. is back. It's like no, <laughs> I don't need that. Awesome, but yeah, guys. Well, um, well, well, thank you, sir. Yeah, it was lovely being back. Uh, yeah, this was a lovely spoopy a time. <laughs> and we'll definitely do it again. This has been Halloween 101, and we'll have Mr. Kyle back again. But in the meantime, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll catch you in the next one. Later. Goodbye. Oh, no.